The Chicago Bears claimed a pair of Minnesota Vikings players that have left Vikings fans scratching their heads as to why their team let them go in the first place. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making the Locked On Bears podcast your first listen today. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. On the show today, we start with new wide receiver Iman Smith Marset and look at the potential that he brings to this Bears wide receiving core, how much he can contribute right away versus the development he still needs, and why Vikings fans were scratching their head a little bit about why the team let him go and why the team clearly wanted to get him back on the practice squad and felt a little bit thwarted by the Bears claiming him on waivers. Then we'll turn our attention to the defensive line and Armand Watts, a pass-rushing defensive tackle that fits just what the Bears needed for some more depth on that defensive line. We'll find out why Minnesota didn't ultimately want to hold on to him and why it still felt like he could have been one of the better players on their D-line and how it could be a nice little find for the Bears up front there. And we'll wrap up kind of taking a look at and comparing the Bears and the Vikings a little bit with where the Vikings are making similar amount of turnover or, or similar a system of turnover for, with Kevin O'Connell, but not making nearly as much turnover with a new regime in their building and how that new offense may affect what we see from the Vikings. Just what we can expect from that team that when you look at on paper on the schedule, it's a little bit tough to kind of parse out just how good the Bears opponents are going to be, those two divisional matchups. A lot of fun to get through with our guest today. We're joined by Arif Hassan from The Athletic. We have a, a good chemistry and a lot of fun ribbing back and forth. So don't don't take anything too serious except for the football analysis. Of course, that that is always going to be business among us. But we like to poke some fun at each other and some of our mutual friends and colleagues around the Bears and Vikings sports media world. So let's jump right in. We are joined now by Arif Hassan, one of the hosts of Locked On Sports Minnesota here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and he covers the Minnesota Vikings over at The Athletic. Arif, thanks so much for joining us today, and I guess first of all, let me tell you how glad I am to not have you on here right now to talk about Dakota Dozier. I'm just so glad he's on injured reserve. Like this is, <laughs> it makes this so much of an easier conversation. When you say it like that, that sounds cruel. <laughs> What would I'm have been... so glad that dude's hurt. I hope he hurts more. <laughs> I'm not glad that he's hurt, but it, what would have been cruel is having to watch him this season. So we're <laughs> we're all what, spared. What, what, did, what did Kevin O'Connell say about Kellen Mond? It would have it wouldn't be doing him a kindness to have him out there at QB two. <laughs> yeah, it, w- it would not be have been doing us a kindness to see Dakota Dozier as the subject of a podcast. Well, it, it doesn't feel like a kindness for Emir Smith-Marset to go from the Vikings to the Chicago Bears. I saw your fellow athletic colleague, Nate Tice, was, he wasn't as publicly oh. distraught as I thought he would be, but I'm thinking behind the scenes in DMs, he may have been in in tears. And I guess I, I want to start there uh, 
why is a, a smart, handsome guy like Nate Tice so upset for losing a former, what, fifth-round pick at wide receiver? What, what's sort of the hype there that Emir Smith-Marset had in Minnesota? Uh, I mean, we, we must know two different Nate Tices because the one I know is a dumb, ugly idiot. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it's, people who don't know Nate Tice is a very good friend of mine. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean... Uh, Amir Smith Marset was one of his guys, you know, coming into the draft. You know, he he primarily did quarterbacks. We also did wide receivers uh, in preparation for that draft, I believe, at the time for Bleacher Report before he joined us at the Athletic. And uh, you know, he really he, it's it's one of those situations where it's not just that you like somebody's tools. I mean, there's a lot of fast receivers that do well on special teams, but that he seemed to begin to have an understanding of how to modulate you know, his route running to to make the most of his tools. And obviously he was still a raw prospect. He was drafted in like the fifth round. He's not a first round pick, right? But for a fifth round pick, Nate thought that there was, well, sorry, was he a sixth round pick? Did I screw that up? No, he, I was just going to say, he's no Darnell Mooney, but you know, he's still not right. Yeah, fifth right, round yeah, pick. right. Yeah. 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 He's no Stefan Diggs, I think is is how we're getting there. Oh, that Bills, <laughs> that bum on the Bills? Yeah, I don't know, I don't know much about him. <laughs> right. yeah, sorry. He's no KJ Osborne. That's how about right. that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, he began to develop kind of an understanding of route running and route running principles in a way that really excited Tice while still not, you know, losing kind of what made him, you know, a remarkable athlete, right? Because, you know, some athletes that, you know, once they begin to learn route running, they don't have the ability to deploy their tools in a good way. Like, I think Corey Coleman's a really good example of that, where, you know, incredible athlete. And then as soon as you ask him to run a route, he's like very deliberate. And it's like, this guy ran a 4-3? You know, yeah. <laughs> it's it's the same thing, right? And and that wasn't really the case for Smith Marset. So that was what excited him. I think um in terms of like why the Vikings well, I'm, I'm sure I'm getting ahead of your next question, but uh Please in terms of why the Vikings, yeah. Uh, I'm, in, in terms of why the Vikings uh, you know, saw that and then decided, meh. <laughs> uh I, I think really what happened there is that the Vikings conceive of their their top four receivers on their depth chart as being like receivers right as being people that can contribute from the line scrimmage right and then the fifth one is kind of reserved and you know maybe they'll have a sixth one that was part of a conversation the vikings were having sounded like they wanted to have extra offensive linemen and defensive linemen but the fifth one is a guy who is essentially there for special teams instead of fifth wide receiver it's first st or something like that right um, and, and this is based off of my understanding. It's, they didn't like confirm this explicitly with me, but that seems to be the case. And a lot of teams operate like this. In fact, the Vikings before Kevin O'Connell operated like this, they had Dan Chisena on, on their roster. And that dude is literally is not a football player, right? Like he, <laughs> he had got a scholarship at Penn to be a track athlete and then walked onto the football team. So he knows the rules of football, but like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's about right? it. Yeah. Not much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so so my understanding was that that was it. And so they had to decide between, um, you know, Jalen Naylor and Amir Smith-Marset for that role. And because ISM was such a liability as a special teamer. Right. Um, so he had five punt returns in the preseason. One of them was muffed. Another one was a fumble. Oof. And then the yeah, and 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 the other three, I think, um, one was for a pretty good game, something like 15 yards. And then the other two combined were negative, I think. Like, it was just not great. Um, it actually kind of reminded me of the 2019 Viking special teams unit. <laughs> Very much that. Um, but uh, if that's the case, then Amir Smith-Marsak can only contribute as a receiver. And I thought that he had done enough, right, to, to do that. But then they made the trade for Jalen Ragor, who I anticipate is 
going to primarily be the punt returner, but they don't know that. They want him to win the competition before that they can give him the job. So right now, Jalen Naylor and Jalen Ragor are um, are competing for the punt return job, and I anticipate that whoever wins the punt return job gets to keep their job as a on the 53-man, and the other person is hopefully going to go to the practice squad. Um, now, the Vikings have hoped that a number of people make it to the practice squad, and none of them have, right? <laughs> Sean Mannion signs with the Seattle Seahawks, which I think is the biggest L, right? Because you can't even yeah, you can't even get that guy. <laughs> then, <laughs> said, but, you know, this, I'm out. <laughs> right. He made a choice, yeah. right, first of all. And second, it's Sean Mannion, right? Like, <laughs> hey, like, he almost beat the Chicago Bears, Sean Mannion. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like they want to kill him on to make the practice squad. Obviously, he was claimed on waivers. I didn't even I I was shocked that they thought he might clear waivers. Right. The yeah. whole reason I projected three quarterbacks after they traded for Nick Mullins is because that there's no way Kellen Mond would clear waivers. And he didn't. Um, yeah, Armand Watts, which we'll talk about in a second. And then later, of course, Amir Smith-Marset. Right. I think they wanted all of those guys in the practice squad. So um my my guess is that between the two, between the two Jalen's, whoever wins the partners squad, they were going to promote Amir Smith-Marset to replace him. Um, so that was, I think, the idea. Um, but Smith-Marset is just not a special teamer. He was like a multiple Big Ten special player team of the week. A person, I think he might have won Big Ten special player team of the year. Like, it, like clearly in college he had it. But that was as a kick returner. And the Vikings have a guy that almost made the Pro Bowl as a kick returner on eight games of kick returns right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so like so they they're fine they're good at kick returner yeah. right and so they don't need him to do that and he can't return punts so you know what's he gonna they haven't had him punt gunning so you know who knows if he can do that so that is that's my guess i think they miscalculate i think they made a bad move i like ism so so like but like in terms of offense right we've seen every year there's there's guys who shine in those preseason games and you know show all this potential and speed and tools and then regular season Sometimes, a lot of times it's opportunity, but still, like, it just doesn't, they don't become that that guy. So, like, with ISM, how much, obviously, like, he'll, he'll have opportunity in Chicago, but but how much of his skill set is, or or the appeal of him is potential versus a guy that legitimately could come in the regular season in Chicago where they don't have anything proven at wide receiver and he could be that right. early contributor? So Okay, so I think on a lot of teams, Amir Smith-Marset would be, like, uh, Robert Foster type for the Bills, sure. right? Or or uh, Andre Roberts for Washington, right? Um, just a guy that like pops in every so often as the fourth receiver and tries to make a 50 yard gain, right? Uh, Swing <laughs> just to the like, yeah. Yeah, just, hey, run a 50 yard deep out. And, you know, if you're there, we'll throw it to you. And if not, <laughs> I don't know, we're paying you like $500,000, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I th- like as a fourth receiver who's supplemental that that really can add an interesting dimension to an offense that at certain points in certain points of the game um, you can really use. Right. And you kind of try to develop the rest of that skill set to see if you can kind of like turn into eventually like a Deshaun Jackson at the, at the high end. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and maybe whatever that whatever people think John Ross is, you know, that like. <laughs> You know, that that would be kind of maybe the median goal. But um, for the most part, yeah, like I, I think that he's primarily like a fourth receiver that if a player goes down, you don't think him as suddenly now he's the third receiver, but um, is good to have on a team. Right. And before B.C. Johnson got hurt, B.C. Johnson would have been basically the receiver that you put in when you're missing a starter. And Amir Smith-Marset would have been the receiver that you put in when you want to add some variety to the way that your offense is being run. Uh, and so 
Um, that I think is how they view that. But then, you know, BC Johnson goes down and now they have to figure out kind of who might be an all around receiver that really have that. Um, so for most teams, he would be the third or fourth receiver based on depending on whether or not they were a two or three receiver team for Chicago. I think he starts, I mean, the receivers are garbage. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I like Darnell Mooney. I like him a lot. Yeah. Um, but the rest yeah, has I, some yeah. room for improvement there. Yeah. Yeah, he might be younger than Bale. He's there's no way he's not younger than Bayless Jones, right? <laughs> uh, he is. Uh, he is. Yeah, he's 23 years old. He is younger than Bayless Jones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Easy. Um, but yeah. Okay. I mean, like, I I, I don't hate Byron Pringle or Equinemius St. Brown. I don't hate Dante Pettis. But like, what are we talking yeah, about? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. And maybe that's a good place to leave it with these Bears wide receivers. But I want to turn our attention next to. Armand Watts on this defensive line, because I think among all the Bears waiver claims over the last couple of days here, he's the guy that feels like he can have the biggest immediate impact. We'll kind of get the scouting report on a pass rushing interior defensive lineman and why the Minnesota Vikings didn't seem to want him next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at betonline.net the number one source for all of your football betting needs and sports information this upcoming season. You still have time to get in your last-minute bets for this upcoming year. you got the Bears' win total set at over-under 6.5. Line against the San Francisco 49ers is Bears, minus, or Bears plus 6, excuse me, underdogs against San Fran. You can bet on their long-shot odds to make the playoffs or where both the Bears or the Vikings are going to finish in this NFC North. BetOnline is going to have all your league developments, game matchups, news, and more. All, all of your sports waging information is there, not just for football, but basketball futures, baseball season in the thick of things, hockey, soccer, tennis, boxing, all the combat sports, even esports and live betting as well. So head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends and action you need to know. BetOnline, where the game starts. We're learning more about the newest members of the Chicago Bears brought over on waivers from the Minnesota Vikings. Here to help us learn more about these foes turned friends is Arif Hassan from The Athletic and Locked On Sports Minnesota. We just got done talking about Amir Smith-Marset, and I want to turn our attention now to Armand Watts on the defensive line. You know, I, I talked to Luke Brown from Luke Brown from Locked On Vikings off the air a little Luke bit Brown, about I'm gonna call him. Luke Brown. But, but well, yeah, that guy doesn't know anything. So that's why I wanted to have you yeah. on to, to talk yeah. about it a little bit. Yeah, how much of that with, with the Vikings moving on from Watts? I, Luke said there was maybe some financial consideration in that. I was also wondering just like scheme fit wise, going, you know, being more of that like true three technique type to go to the Donatel scheme. Was, was he not a great fit as a five tech rotational guy there? What, what happened with Watts? I wish I knew the full story, honestly, because I thought that he um, had done well enough to earn is even too strong a word to be given the starting job. <laughs> like, I think, I think that, um, the assumption was that he was the starter and nobody had done enough to, uh, push him from that. And, that uh, they essentially, um, traded him for traded him in a fourth for, um, uh, Ross Blacklock. Sorry. I just, I wanted to say Angelo Blackson because bears, but, um, <laughs> Ross Blacklock, right. Um, is essentially what ended up happening, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, the Texans did not receive Armand Watts, but that was the 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 idea, and uh, all, that gets them a worse player who 
has a, a year more of con team control, basically, is what it does. Uh, plus, uh, you pay him less, right? Because Armand Watts had a bunch of um, playing time incentives that kicked in. So uh, I, I don't, I don't think it was a very smart move, but I will say it's kind of one of those situations where you know that when a team drafts a player that is not a scheme fit, that that team is better because they drafted that player, but that player is not better, right? Yeah. Because teams don't do what's best for players. They do what's best for teams. And, and sometimes that means putting in a player in a situation where they're not in a position to succeed um, or to maximize their potential, right? It's like uh, taking like a, a really great deep threat receiver and putting them in intermediate offense with like, I don't know, say to a of Iloa throwing to them. Um, undoubtedly, that this hypothetical team with a bunch of deep threat receivers <laughs> are better for having acquired those deep threat receivers, right? But those deep threat receivers are not going to be maximizing their contract bonuses. Um, they're not in a system engineered for them to do the best that they can do. But the team is better. I think that is kind of the situation with Armand Watts, except the team ended up making a decision that's probably better for Watts. This is not a good system for him. Um, the uh, the idea of him playing as a rotational kind of four technique um, player uh, is, is not great for him and it does not maximize his abilities. I think he's a true three technique that incidentally played a lot of nose for the Vikings because of, of injury um, that can be pretty decent at it can be kind of like if he's starting, you're not upset. But, you know, if, if you've got areas to upgrade, that's not a bad area to be um, upgrading at. Um, that, that's but, actually exactly what Luke said. He's like, if he's your starter, you feel like you could do better. But if he's one of your backups, then you're, you're feeling pretty good about where you're at. Yeah, yeah, he's really great depth. He's better than a lot of backup but, three but, techniques. But then, so then, like, it's a little bit astounding for me when I, I glanced at this Vikings depth chart and I saw Jonathan Bullard, former Chicago oh, Bears, is is, is on their made their fifty three, but Armand Watts didn't. Uh, so first of all, I'll say Bullard killed it. Really, like he was. I, I was shocked too. And the thing is, I don't think the Vikings expected any of this either. He was a late signing, relatively speaking. Like they didn't sign him in like August, but he was a relatively late signing. And he started out at the bottom of their depth chart, like genuinely. And he mm -hmm. just kind of worked his way up. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I was shocked. And, and this was a guy that I was like, man, Bears drafted a good one. I really like Bullard back when uh, they're in like third round from Florida, I think. Yeah, 2013 and, uh, or something, or 2015. It's been a while. He's been around the block quite a bit now. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised he's still in the league, but like, I, good for him, honestly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's like he was like one of those guys where it's like, well, in an old school system, he'd be a 4-3 DN, but in kind of the newer systems, he's a 4-3-3 technique, right? Um, and it, very often that means five technique. <laughs> yeah um, and and that and that's what he's doing here and 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 he seems to be excelling at that i don't think he's better than armand wants but the vikings saved a million and a half by making the moves that they did and it seems like that's important to them it very much sounded like cap considerations were in play here um so again this was not the best system for armand watts but i do think that he would have been a better fit there than uh blacklock or bullard from the perspective of making the team better um, so yeah, I, it, it is a bizarre move. It's kind of one of the moves that I think crazy has made a bunch of good moves. The front office has made a bunch of good moves, um, within kind of the range of, of goals that they have. Um, but this is to me, not one of them. I think that they made a mistake here. Well, you honestly. know, when you can, when you can save a million and a half dollars in late August, you, you got to do it. I mean, you need that yeah. cap space right now to, to sign yeah to, to well who who did they just uh grab david blau or something like that yeah i mean big, big time moves there i mean 
yeah. upgrading the quarterback Great. position. But so, but, but with with Watts specifically, right? You know, you look at his career. Came in as a rookie, had a couple of sacks in rotation a couple years ago. Just kind of just a guy rotating in, and then last year they kind of like you said forced him into the starting lineup a little bit due to injuries. He had five sacks. I mean, do you feel like is he is is that five sack type guy? The level we should expect him in was that a peak, or or is he still? You see him as like an ascending player. Where do you sort of see his, I guess his trajectory right now? Uh, I I would say these two things. One, that five sacks is not representative of the talent level that he demonstrated. Two, he could still be a quote unquote five sack guy. He can't. He still has untapped potential to hit. That I think he's got the capability to hit that um, will allow him to kind of have a season where he earns all five of those sacks, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So uh, I, 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 you know, fundamentally, I think that he, he is a solid player to have in your roster. Like I said, um, the Vikings ended up, especially last year, generating a ton of sacks for players who did not demonstrate the talent to have as many sacks as they did. Right. Like DJ Wanham is an incredible example of that. And you know, he's still kicking around here, I guess. Um, but, you know, to some extent, some of the other players that, that generated a couple of sacks, um, are a good example of that too. Armand Watts is kind of one of them, right? Um, but the the thing is, he's been miscast with the Vikings, not because the Vikings did not use him, but again, because of injury, they moved him to nose tackle because I, I think at the combine, he weighed 300 pounds like on the dot and uh, that doesn't scream nose tackle to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but he had the best nose tackle ability after Michael Pierce opted out and you know they didn't uh, have Dalvin Tomlinson two years ago, right? Um, and, and so, ah, <laughs> like, what do you do? Like, yeah. well, like he's here, use him. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. Like, there's no way we're getting Shamar Stefan again. That was a disaster, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, uh, they, they, they played him at nose tackle. He was not great against the run, which is like the job. Um, mm. and, uh, and, but that was against double teams. Right. Um, I, what's interesting about him, I think is that when you watch him play, he, he plays the three technique position in the rare instances he's been able to play it kind of like he's a four, three defensive end. And by that, I mean, he attacks edges a lot. Mm. Um, so he does like spin and he's a longer guy. So I think that actually is a, a style that makes sense for him. Um, but uh, he attacks edges a lot. He, he does spin moves if he sees enough space and he tries to create that space by attacking the outside edge before going onto the inside. He knows that he's got long arms and he tries to use them appropriately and efficiently. Um, just not to say he's afraid of contact, which I think, you know, if you're describing uh, a bunch of three techniques that way, a lot of them are going to end up being the kind of guys that, that don't really love contact. Um, but he does get washed down when he gets double teamed, which is like the, again, he was a nose tackle. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, but as a three technique, he's, he's okay against the run. He, he didn't do a great job in camp against the run, um, which given the way that Fangio Staley style defenses need their interior to do like, yeah. We don't have enough linebackers to stop the run. It's up to you at the front to do it. Um, so, so I can see why that would be like a, um, uh, and, and our linebackers are 200 pounds. Uh, so I can see why <laughs> that can be like um, an overriding concern in that system over other systems. But um, I mean, he was doing fine as a pass rusher and collapsing the pocket and stuff like that. You know, he wasn't lighting the world on fire from that perspective, but I think he was um, about average as a starter in in that respect. Well, it sounds like the Bears are getting a, a pretty good deal with with both of these young players coming over from the Minnesota Vikings. But it leaves me wondering a little bit more about 
where this Vikings team is going to be entering this season. I mean, a similar type of new regime, fresh start over there, but a team that's keeping a lot of the same things from the last season. So it's hard to get a sense of just how much this Vikings team is going to change and then what we can expect when they play the Bears this season. We'll kind of get to know the new look Minnesota Vikings and, and how some of their situations parallel with the Chicago Bears as we continue our talk with Arif Hassan from The Athletic and Locked On Sports Minnesota next on Locked On Bears. Both ISM and, and Watts, kind of both holdovers from, or were holdovers, I guess, from the previous Vikings regime. It's it's a trend that we've seen a lot now in Chicago with Ryan Poles, just kind of taking Ryan Pace guys and getting them as, as far away as they can from, from this organization. How much are you seeing that in Minnesota? I mean, obviously, they can't turn over everything all in one offseason, and a lot of the, the main core pieces are still there. But I guess how much of a propensity has there been to get, you know, Questy's guys in as opposed to, you know, getting Spielman's guys out of there? You know, I think besides those two, not really a ton of it. Because, mm. um, like, you take a look at somebody like Kellen Mond, and and I saw, um, was it Joel Corey, I think, um, say, you know, part of this is just because it's a new regime and they don't have any attachment. Kellen Mond's not their pick. And Matthew Collar was arguing with him on Twitter, as callers want to do. <laughs> and, yeah. and he was like, no, Kellen Mond just sucks. And, and Joe Corey was like, yeah, but, you know, I mean, he sucks either way. But like, uh, you know, the, the other staff would have given him a year. And Collar was like, have you heard Zimmer talk about this guy? Yeah. No, they wouldn't. have. <laughs> and I point. think I think in this case, Collar is right. I think I think uh, getting rid of Chesterat, getting rid of Kellen Mond, getting rid of some of these guys, uh, Janarius Robinson, I think it was just a talent issue, a skill issue. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, uh, that was, that was it. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of overhaul where they're just like, yeah, you're a system fit in the previous regime, not in this one. I think that's more an Armand Watts, uh, you know, example. Um, but like Anthony Barr would have been gone either way, right? Because yeah. it's the nature of his injuries in the contract situation, um, which he's in Dallas now, right? What a perfect backup to Michael Parsons. I can't think of a better situation. And I, I don't, I don't know who else they really got like, quote unquote, got rid of, right? Like Xavier Woods walked away in, in free agency, but he wouldn't have been resigned because Cameron Bynum was too good. And then of course they drafted the safety. And um, a lot of the turnover was kind of natural and would have happened in either circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, on offense, the offense is different, but the bones, the foundation is the same, right? Th- that and was, so there's that was not- actually going to be my next question. It's like you go from Gary Kubiak to Clint Kubiak to to O'Connell, where it's like O'Connell. If you go loosely up the tree, you start getting back to Kubiak. So, like, I was going to ask, like, are you – yeah, it's like I was going to ask, like, how would you expect, like, you know, like, obviously in Chicago, it's like, oh, new scheme, everything's going to be better and improved. But in, in Minnesota, like, it's – how different is it going to be? And is is that projected to be like, oh, the offense is going to be better as a result of O'Connell and uh, the new scheme? Yeah, so I'm, I'm writing a little bit of a piece about this, and the analogy I kind of hit on – you could tell me, like, give me live feedback on if this analogy makes sense – the foundations of the of the house are strong, but you can still design a house in a bunch of different ways that can either be um, really effective and beautiful and functional or really ugly and frustrating and non-functional, right? The foundations are strong in either instance, but the house that you build around it um, is is different, right? And so all of the materials that they're working with, right, are compatible with one foundation or the other, right? You've got Kirk Cousins who's a drop back, or not a drop back, a play action style quarterback that can drop back, can do quick strike stuff, but very much likes to work play action off of wide zone, very much likes to do kind of the rolling out of the pocket 
and um, and 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 hitting kind of your sale routes and stuff to the same side of the field um, is re- a relatively quick processor, a very good pre-diagnosis or pre-snap diagnosis quarterback. Um, you've got receivers that run, you know, the route tree. They can they can adjust the route depths based off the quarterback's footwork. You know, th- this is all stuff that you need in both offenses, right? Um, but kind of how you deploy those skill sets, whether it is like a three wide receiver system that throws the ball a lot, or it's a two tight end system that that runs the ball a little bit more, um, you know, how you deploy that offense within those skill sets differs really greatly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that. Um, that allows the Vikings to maintain a lot of continuity on offensive personnel while making the offense um, potentially, you know, I don't know, you know, games haven't started yet. Sure. Um, potentially much more um, effective. I was going to say modern, but like, I mean, we've seen three receiver offenses in, for a while now. Modern is maybe giving them too much credit. Maybe, really, it's not old fashioned, I guess is the best <laughs> way to put it. Contemporary. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So it's like with, with the, the change, but not the complete change, but just the the sort of change that the whole Vikings yeah. team has been this offseason. Like they're left on the schedule for me for the Bears is like a team that I can't tell like whether to expect them. Like I don't expect them to be like drastically worse, but I don't know that I expect them to be like drastically better than they were last season. I, I don't know where do you start to set expectations for Vikings teams because they're always they're always weird and they always perform. You just can never know what you're going to get or what exactly to expect from a Minnesota team any given year. Buddy, I hate covering this team. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible, man. Um, yeah, I okay. so my expectation is that the offense will get better, right? But the defense is one where I have no clue, right? Because I, I first of all, I really like the Harrison Phillips signing. Holy crap, especially after seeing him in, in camp and especially against joint practices against the 49ers. Um, Really incredible stuff that, that I think we've seen from Harrison Phillips. So um, there's some elements that I really like. I thought the Zedaria Smith signing was really good in the last week and a half, two weeks of camp. He really blew up, especially against like Trent Williams. Good player to to showcase your skills against. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, wow. being the Hall of Famer. You can do it there. Be doing yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, which uh, who's he going up against? Like um, what what fifth round pick is going to be starting at the left tackle for, for the Bears? Braxton Jones. There it is. The there it is. Braxton, Braxton Jones. Jones. The Braxton Jones. Yeah. From the Braxton State University. <laughs> Basically. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you'll be fine against Braxton Jones. Hey, Braxton Jones has been holding Robert Quinn at bay in training camp. He's the he's, great. He's the he's the love of he's the the riser Good. of camp. I'm not I'm not I'm not going to go out here and say Braxton Jones <laughs> right, is going to be yeah, a right. bookhead left tackle. I think Braxton Jones apologia tour. But, but they no, but uh, they they signed Riley Reef with the intention of him beating out Braxton Jones, and Braxton Jones said no. I this is my job, and he kept it. <laughs> so if, 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 if Riley Reef is the bar here, that's about where you can you can. Set okay, things. that's okay. Honestly, that's fair. That's good. Um, yeah. So uh, I mean, I like a lot of the individual moves, but like the thing that I think a lot of Vikings fans underrate is how friggin' good Mike Zimmer is at defense. Mm-hmm. Just astronomically good. And I don't think that the the lackluster defensive performance of the last two years are a product of, of poor design from Mike Zimmer's part. In fact, the Vikings continue to be, um, under Mike Zimmer, an elite red zone defense and an elite, elite third down defense. Like, it's one of those things where uh, you talk to you know some of these nerd statisticians like Eric Eager and uh, Lopez and all them out there, and you talk about like third down conversion rates, and and they're just like, what? It doesn't 
third down doesn't matter. I don't know if your audience can see me, but I did the jerk off hand emotion. So <laughs> now the listeners can, can know. Um, like third third down, uh, third down defense does not, you know, translate year to year. It's very volatile. You, you know that like turtles. it has an outsized impact on performance, but it's not sticky, right? Yeah. I think is the phrase they use. Except in the case of Mike Zimmer, and and they will say that explicitly, right? And his third down defenses from like 2016, at least 2015, maybe, um, but at least 2016. Sorry, I screwed up the. But 2015, at least 2016 have been in the top three, if not the top one. And in 2017, it was the, the top third down defense of all time. Jeez. Um, yeah, it's just incredible stuff, right? Yeah. Wow. Um, and his third down defense last year was good. It's just the, the rest of the stuff wasn't great. Just and that's a personnel there's, thing. There's two like two, two or three other downs that you got to deal with sometimes. It turns out. Yeah, it turns out. Weird. And to me, that's likely a personnel issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, but Vikings fans are not used to people converting th- like third downs all that often against them, which is why it's so frustrating. Like when they watch Aaron Rodgers do it against them. Right. Which the city still split the series. Yeah. Right. So like, yeah, but um, that, that's going to go away, man. You don't like Ed Donatel. I'm sure is great, but like, this is the best third down defense guy of all time. And, and you're just going to regress there. Now, if you improve on first and second down, you know, maybe that's a net positive, maybe not. Uh, you're probably going to improve in the final two minutes of the first half, which the Vikings, <laughs> boy, I don't know if you've seen the charts. I put together some charts oh. uh, like a couple months ago. Yeah. Uh, and if you go like all the way back to recorded history for points given up in the final two minutes of the first half, it's not that the Vikings have given up the most. It's that they've given up the most by a greater margin than the distance between like second and 700th. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, like it was like, like it was bad. <laughs> Like, like it's not just like historically bad, but like deeply satanically bad. <laughs> they couldn't get into third uh, downs apparently in those situations. Yeah, right. They were just they were just scoring on first down. Yeah. Like the final two, like <laughs> every every team went like Super Saiyan in the it, final two minutes of the first half. I think that was like the only uh, time the Bears got points on them in those games. It felt like it was like, oh wait, yeah, oh, yeah. coming up. We can do it. Here we go. Yeah, they killed it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so you might be probably going to improve there because how could you not, right? Like they they could field ten players in the final two minutes of the of of the first half this year and do better, right? <laughs> um, so like that like that's how I feel about that. So they're going to improve there and they're going to give up fewer points. But if you look at it from like an expected points perspective, the Vikings were like tenth or twelfth on defense. It was just that portion of time. If the Vikings, uh, if if all games were like fifty six minutes long, and this is not like an excuse to say the Vikings were secretly good but rather a demonstration of how good that defense was historically or normally they, the Vikings might've been a 13 win team in a 56 minute uh, game situation. So um, that defense was really good except then and except occasionally on first and second down. And I don't know that you'll be able to replicate that, but they might allow fewer points because of the weirdness of those specifics. So I don't know what to do with this team because the defense is different. Donatel did not do a spectacular job in Denver. In fact, he wasn't even in charge, right? Um, but, you know, the personnel might be a little bit better um, and regression is probably going to be in their favor. So I, I just don't know. I think the offense is going to be better and I think that might add a win or two, but the defense is just like this wide band of potential outcomes because they'll get worse on third down, they'll get better in high leverage situations just by chance, and all of that middle stuff I don't know what to do with. So that was a long way of saying I don't know? Yeah. Uh, glad I had you on so you could tell us you don't know. Really appreciate yeah. your Vikings well, expertise. I mean, you bought here. into this. 
<laughs> no, but in all, in all seriousness, Arif is one of the best Minnesota Vikings noun reporter, analyst, uh, media personality, content creator. Uh, fake news dispenser. Fake. One of the best Vikings fake news dispensers. One of the best... I couldn't even say one of the best Twitter followers out there either. It's mostly just him talking crap to Luke and the other Vikings guys. So he, yeah. he's, he's a guy that's worth listening to on this podcast. So, Arif, I really appreciate you coming <laughs> out of this. Uh, let everybody know not only what you're doing with, with the Athletic and Lockdown Sports Minnesota, but where they can find all your work. Yeah, so uh, with the Lockdown Podcast Network, I'm doing the Minnesota Football Party. That's me, Luke Braun, uh, Luke Inman, and Sam Ekstrom, who also have their own um, Lockdown Podcast properties that they do independently of that. It's a really great intermingling of things, then also me. Uh, <laughs> that one's fun. That one's a ton of fun. We get up to all kinds of shenanigans. I don't like any of my co-hosts, and I make that clear to them at every moment of the show. Um, so <laughs> I want people to tune in and listen to that. Uh, and then also, I'm over at the Athletic. I publish stuff about the Vikings all the time there, and, and occasionally national level pieces. Um, and you can find me at theathletic.com/slash/author/slash/reef-dashes-on. Um, and other than that, yeah, I've got a podcast, Norse Code. I invite you on twice a year to make fun of you. I didn't know you had the beard because we don't have video when we do your guest spots. Uh, oh, specifically you, because I don't want to look at you. <laughs> and, and I kept on making 16-year-old jokes because you look like a 16-year-old when you're clean shaven. and didn't realize that now you look like a Mormon elder, right? Like, we did totally different vibe. <laughs> it's because um, you didn't come to Mobile this year. That's what you missed out on. We that's could... it. Yeah, that's, I, was, I was sorry. I was in Vegas. I'll do better next time. <laughs> we we could have gone bar to bar to tell everyone about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, <laughs> my brother, you, you were not have there you heard to do the it good, with us. Have you heard the good word, the sequel? Yeah, that would have been us. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, you can find me, uh, at Norse code where, uh, where me and James make fun of the guests that we bring on and occasionally ask them about football. And, uh, and yeah, I, otherwise follow me on Twitter at Arifas on NFL. You will not get what you want out of that follow, but a bunch of other people do it. So I, I suggest you do it as well. A, a ringing endorsement there, Arif. Thanks so much for joining <laughs> us today. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks again to Arif Hassan from The Athletic and Locked On Sports Minnesota for joining us on the podcast today. If you enjoyed our conversation, and, and I sincerely hope you do, it's always a lot of fun, make sure you hit that subscribe button on wherever you're listening to this podcast or watching on the Lockdown Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. We'll have more guests on like that throughout this upcoming season, so plenty to keep coming back for. Still want to deep dive into Alex Leatherwood a little bit more, one of the other newcomers on this Bears offensive line. And before you know it, We'll be looking ahead to the San Francisco 49ers week one and regular season Bears football. So appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you following along throughout this episode. Have a great weekend. And most importantly, come on back for Monday for another opportunity to bear down.